This episode is brought to you by Delta Airlines. One of the most underrated parts of a trip is that flight home. And that's why Delta Airlines tries to make you feel at home long before you even get there. Now, for somebody like me that's a homebody, feeling at home in the air is very valuable to me. And I love to curate that comfortable experience. And what I love about Delta is they have over a thousand hours of in-flight entertainment. They have Wi-Fi so I can do anything else that I want to do on my devices. They have great food and drink, and it just creates a positive end to my trip. They have fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi available for SkyMiles members, more than a thousand hours of in-flight entertainment, and they have premium food options and beverages like herbal teas, cold brew, sparkling wine, and more. All of the comforts that you'll find at home, you can find in a flight experience that feels made just for you. You may not be home yet, but Delta Airlines helps you feel a little bit more like it. Delta Airlines believes that you should feel at home, even if you're 30,000 feet above it. Learn more at Delta.com. You are listening to Blessed and Bossed Up, presented by Anchored Media, an entrepreneurship podcast for Christians all about how to make God the CEO of your business. Get ready to be inspired, challenged, but well-equipped to live and build your destiny His way. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Blessed and Bossed Up podcast. Before we hop into this episode, I just want to remind you, this is the last opportunity to participate in the giveaway. We have a giveaway that's been going on for the month of May, where all you have to do is follow me on Instagram at Tatum Tamia, T-A-T-U-M-T-E-M-I-A. And I'm going to be choosing a random person to give some of my favorite faith and business resources too. So all of the things that I've used over the years that have really helped me grow um, in this journey and more importantly in my walk with God, I want to give you some of my favorite things in an effort to help you as well. Now I'm so excited about today's episode. Yes, I say that every week because I count it an honor and a blessing to be able to come on this platform and speak the messages that God gives me to speak. And today's message is actually right on theme with what are, we've really been talking about since 2022 started. And the title of this episode is actually a question. Do you want to be satisfied or surrendered? And as I was working through this message, because this wasn't the title when I put, usually God will give me like a download of what the podcast will be. So this has been in my notes for a while. And as I went to study, I'm like, okay, God, where am I going to put this message together? And so he gave me the scriptures to go to and all of these things. And as I was studying this, all of the messages that I was getting and all of the text that I was reading really led to this question of, do you want to be satisfied or surrendered? And I don't think it's a coincidence that, like I said, it's, this, it's been this unofficial theme over the last few months, so ever since we got into 2022, where I believe what God is trying to do through this platform is to teach us how to truly reshape our character, our demeanor, our attitudes, our actions, our emotions to be Christ-like. 
And as I was studying for this episode, one of the things I wrote down in my notes is that an effective presentation of the good news is warning and teaching. That really hit home for me as somebody who has a platform where I spread the good news. I want to make sure that I'm also providing warning and teaching. And I believe that's what we've been doing under this unofficial theme so far this year. And that's what we're going to continue to do today. So again, the title of today's episode is a question that I'm going to repeat because I want you to ask yourself this. Do you want to be satisfied or do you want to be surrendered? Now, you guys know me. I'm always defining something because words mean things and I don't want to assume. Satisfaction means fulfillment of one's wishes expectations or needs, or the pleasure that is derived from this. Some of the benefits of satisfaction are happiness, less anxiety, more compassion, high self-esteem, lower blood pressure. The list goes on. Satisfaction feels good. It's pleasurable. And the Bible has many examples of the way that God will bring us satisfaction. Some of my personal faves are, of course, in John 10, 10, when it says, uh, but I've come, and I'm starting from the second part, but I've come so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Ephesians 3.20 is my favorite. He can do exceedingly and abundantly above anything we can ask for or think. Another one of my faves is in Amos 9, 13 through 15 that says, yes, indeed, it won't be long now, God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast that your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once and everywhere you look, blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off of the mountains and hills. I'll make everything right again for my people in Israel. They'll rebuild their ruined cities. They'll plant vineyards and drink good wine. They'll work their gardens and eat fresh vegetables. And I'll plant them, plant them on their own land. They'll never again be uprooted from the land I've given them. God, your God says so. And of course, one of my all-time faves comes in Deuteronomy 28 when it's clearly laid out the blessings for obedience. It says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land that he is giving you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. Then all of the nations of the world will see that you are people claimed by the Lord and they will stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work that you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. If you listen to these commands, 
of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. And if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you head and not the tail. And you will always be on top and never at the bottom. You must not turn away from any of the commandments I'm giving you today, nor follow after any other gods and worship them. That's one of my faves. Because anytime I'm faced with a big decision of obedience, where that that yes to God is a little bit harder, that's my go-to. And the last one of my faves, because I could really, <laughs> we could spend this whole episode going over all of these different scriptures, but the last one I'm going to give you is also one of my favorites in Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. It says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and it never fails to bear fruit. So I go over these scriptures because when I ask you this question, do you want to be satisfied or surrendered? I want you to understand that there is satisfaction in Christ, but the presence of suffering doesn't mean an absence of Christ. And if we only seek satisfaction, it will have an adverse effect and actually negatively impact our faith. And there are a lot of teachings out here right now, especially when we have access to so many different perspectives and so many different things via the internet and um, social media and all of these things. So much of the story is being told one-sided. That's how we get the prosperity gospel. That's how we get motivational speakers and and life coaches posing as pastors, as opposed to people who are giving you warning and teaching. And so in my opinion, what happens is it breeds um, a body of believers who think everything that feels good is God and everything that feels bad is the enemy. And that's not true. Or it, it breeds a body of believers that are unequipped to handle when suffering comes and handle it ignorantly because you think, oh, life is going on. I must have did something wrong. God must hate me because life is happening and I'm suffering right now. Oh, this waiting season has been so long. So maybe God isn't hearing me. Maybe I need to try something else. It just leaves us ill-equipped for an aspect of our journey that is inevitable. You know what I mean? Life is going to happen whether you are in Christ or not. And I don't know about you, but I would much rather suffer with the protection of God than suffer and not even know who he is or to know who he is and not follow him and follow the enemy because the enemy ain't going to protect you. His job is to kill, steal, and destroy. So anytime you go into satisfaction only and not surrender, you put yourself in a very vulnerable state. You have itching ears, just following everything that says prophetic word, jumping from anywhere that looks like it has some type of power and making yourself susceptible to false teaching and other teachings that are just contrary to biblical doctrine. And I want to take you guys to Colossians for a second, because this is the, the scriptures or the book of the Bible that I spent the most time in and preparing for this episode. Now in Colossians, the book is written by Paul. Paul was locked up at the time and he heard about what was going on. So he wrote this letter to uh, the church of Colossus, 
which is a city in Asia Minor. And the overall purpose was to combat errors in the church and to show believers that they have everything they need in Christ. So it was a lot of other stuff going on here. It was a lot of empty teachings. It was a lot of uh, people mixing different religions together. It was a lot of Gnosticism. So people accumulating this special knowledge. And it was just a lot going on that was contrary to the fact that we have everything that we need in Christ. And Paul's, one of his biggest points was he wanted to explain that the world's teachings are totally empty when compared to God's plan. And he challenges the Colossians to reject shallow answers and to live in union with Christ. They were living with so much false teaching and so are we. And again, the purpose of this message is to be both a warning and a teaching. Do you want to be satisfied or do you want to be surrendered? Because there are way too many of us living below what God wants us to have. Because instead of seeking a surrendered life, we're seeking our own self-satisfaction. And it may seem innocent because who doesn't want to be happy, right? But it's not a matter of one versus the other. It's a matter of which is number one. Because there is satisfaction in Christ and being surrendered, but you have to, but surrendered has to be first. You have to abide in him and him and you, you have to seek ye first, the kingdom of God. God has to be first and not having, and not putting self first. And as I was studying through Colossians, what I realized is that a lot of us have been brought into a perception of Christianity that is more so of faith by self-effort versus faith by salvation. And that's the root of the problem. My study Bible explained it well, so I'm, a, I'm going to read it directly from there. Religion by self-effort. The goal is to please God by our own goods and deeds. But salvation by faith, the goal is to trust in Christ and then live to please God. In religion by effort, it means practice, diligent service, discipline, and obedience in hope of a reward. But salvation by faith means confess, submit, and com commit ourselves to Christ's control. Religion by self-effort, the power is good, honest effort through self-determination. But salvation by faith, the power is the Holy Spirit in us that helps us do good work for Christ's kingdom. Religion by self-effort and control is self-motivation and self-control. On the contrary, salvation by faith, the control of that is Christ is in us. We are in Christ. The result of religion by effort is chronic guilt, apathy, depression, failure, constant desire for approval. But the result of salvation by faith is joy, thankfulness, love, guidance, service, forgiveness. It goes on to say that salvation by faith in Christ sounds too easy for many people. They would rather think that they have done something to save themselves. Their religion becomes one of self-effort that leads to either disappointment or pride, but finally to an eternal death. Christ's simple way is the only way and it alone leads to eternal life. And I want to point out that as I went through religion by self-effort versus salvation by faith, there is some overlap. 
in a sense to where, for example, the controlling factor, like I said, for religion by effort is self-motivation and self-control. Well, we know that self-control is one of the fruit of the spirit, right? So that can be confusing, but for someone who doesn't know the word. And this is why, again, I believe we've been in this unofficial theme of self-correction since this year has started, because we need to understand the word of God so that we can know God and so that we can know ourselves. And yes, satisfaction will come from that, but it can't be the driving force. It can't be the reason why we're building a relationship with God. Instead, we need to live a surrendered life to where we are trusting in Christ and we live to please him and we submit and commit ourselves to his control. I don't believe that that's taught enough these days. It's so much of what we hear about faith and living righteously is about us, what we do, how we can perform or what we can get, how much money we can make, how successful we can be. So that just gives us this warped perception of, like I said, if life is happening or things are going wrong, then somehow we feel like God isn't there, but he's still, his protection is still there even in the presence of suffering. His presence is still there even in the midst of pain. But without knowing the word and without having salvation by faith, we seek the satisfaction over the surrender and all that leads to is eternal death. Now at the end of Colossians, in Colossians 4 and 16, Paul said, after you read this letter, pass it on to the church at Laodicea so that they can read it too. And you should read the letter that I wrote to them. And I remembered this church from Revelations, one of the seven churches that were addressed in Revelations. And so I'm like, hmm, why did Paul want them to read this same message that he was giving to the people here? So I went back to Revelations to remind myself of them because I actually often quote the scripture here that um, was addressed to them. So in Revelations 3 and 14, it says, write this letter to the angel of the church of Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Oh, okay, Jesus. <laughs> so I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me, from me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so that you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. This episode is brought to you by Rosetta Stone. I've been telling you guys that I'm planning a trip for my husband's milestone birthday that he has coming up. And as we choose which location we actually want to go to, I'm not 
thinking a lot about learning a new language once we narrow it down. Because when I get there, I want to throw myself into the culture, into the language. And a part of that is learning exactly the language that they speak ahead of me getting there, right? Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning platform available on desktop or as an app and that it truly immerses you in the language that you want to learn. I'm most excited about the track record of Rosetta Stone because, I mean, they've been trusted experts for 30 years. Millions of users in 25 languages offered. I mean, Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish. They have fast language acquisition. So Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways. So no English translations. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. They have an intuitive process so that you pick up language naturally, first with words, then with phrases, and then sentences. And overall, it's designed for long-term retention. They have speech recognition, so a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. So it's like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's convenient. So again, those desktop and app options with audio companion and ability to download lessons offline. And best of all, amazing value. Lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Blessed and Bossed Up listeners can give Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite. Now listen, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. It's not just about the gross, but it's about what we net, what we take home. And NetSuite gives you the perfect opportunity to net more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing in accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. With the way that the economy is looking right now, everything costs so much. So when it comes to these businesses, we have to make sure that we are cutting costs and finding ways to save money and boost performance at the same time. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash blessed. netsuite.com slash blessed. netsuite.com slash blessed. So where my study Bible then goes to explain, they were saying that Laodicea was the wealthiest of the seven cities known for its banking industry, manufacture of wool and a medical school that produced eye ointment. So you can kind of understand the correlations between what Jesus was saying and the culture of the city and the times that they were in and the things that they have going on. 
So it continues to say in the uh, elaboration of the study Bible, it says, at, what at one time, an aqueduct was built to bring water to the city from hot springs. But by the time the water reached the city, it was neither hot nor refreshingly cold, only lukewarm. The church had become as bland as the tepid water that came into the city. Lukewarm water makes a disgusting drink. The church had become lukewarm and thus distasteful and repugnant. The believers didn't take a stand for anything. Indifference had led to idleness. By neglecting them to do anything for Christ, the church had become hardened and self-satisfied. Remember that word? And it was destroying itself. There is nothing more disgusting than a half-hearted nominal Christian who is self-sufficient. Don't settle for following God halfway. Let Christ fire up your faith and get you into action. Some believers assume that numerous material possessions are a sign of God's spiritual blessings. Laodicea was a wealthy city and the church was also wealthy. But what the Laodiceans, this word, I'm trying, could not see and buy had become more valuable to them than what is unseen and eternal. Wealth, luxury, and ease can make people feel confident, satisfied, and complacent. But no matter how much you possess or how much money you make, you have nothing if you don't have a vital relationship with Christ. This is another downside of seeking satisfaction because it's going to leave you complacent and indifferent and not truly remaining affixed and attached to God. And in Revelation and the letters to the seven churches and for each one, there was uh, something that they were commended on. There was a rebuke and there was an action. So in my study Bible, it gives me a table of all of them. So for the table of Laodicea, they, God commended them on nothing. So even the other churches who had rebuked and things like that, the church of Philadelphia was the only one who didn't have a rebuke. Like God's only commandment to them, only thing he needed them to do was hold on. All of the other churches, they were um, rebuked for not love, not loving, tolerating compromise, tolerating immorality, being superficial. All of them had these different rebukes, but at the same time, they were commended for things. So some of them were commended for their hard work, for being loyal, um, for being effective, all of these things. The church of Laodicea was the only one that God didn't commend at all. Nothing. They were rebuked for being lukewarm. And uh, his instruction to them was for them to be diligent and to repent. And I find it personally interesting that all of these six or the other five of these churches who had all of this foolishness going on, God still found it something to found something to commend them on. But this church right here that was lukewarm, that was that was satisfied because they were wealthy and had all of the things which made them content and indifferent towards God. No, he couldn't find any good in that. And I find that to be so dangerous, so dangerous. And so again, I, I had to, to just spend the majority of our time getting you to understand how dangerous it can be for you to seek satisfaction and not commit to surrender first. And Mark chapter eight, verses 34 through 37, I'm going to read it in the message version. Jesus said, calling the crowd to join his disciples, Jesus said, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. 
Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. My way to saving yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? What could you ever trade your soul for? And it's one of my favorite, this is one of my favorite scriptures because it's so true. What, what good is it if you gain the whole world and you lose your own soul? Like, And seeking satisfaction is going to make us lose our souls. Our flesh will be well pleased and our souls will be dead. Do you want to be satisfied or surrender? Simply put, to surrender means to hand over your desires, your thoughts, your needs, everything. You give it to God. When you surrender, you submit yourself to God, you resist the devil, and he will flee from you, according to James 4 and 7. When you surrender, you humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up, according to James 4 and 10. When you surrender, you seek ye first the kingdom of righteousness and all things will be added unto you. According to Matthew 6, 33, when you surrender, you come to him weary and burdened and he gives you rest. According to Matthew 11 and 28, when you surrender, you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. According to Romans 12 and 2, when you surrender, he will make your path straight. According to Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. When you surrender, you will save your life, according to Luke 9, 23 through 24. I can go on all day about the benefits of surrendering, but I got to let you know the truth and that your surrender, though, won't always be satisfying. Tough times are going to happen, but there's a different, different level of security in those tough times. 1 Peter 3 and 14 says, but even if you shall suffer for what is right, you are blessed. 1 Peter 5 and 10 says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little bow, he will restore himself to you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And of course, one of my all-time favorites in James 1, 2 through 8. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. One last time, I'm going to ask the question, do you want to be satisfied or surrendered? I want you to use this as a way that you're testing your own faith. Test yourself. As you're going throughout building your business God's way, as you're going through going through this journey of building your relationship with God and growing your faith, check your intentions with this question. Do you want to be surrendered? Do you want to be satisfied or do you want to be surrendered? Ask yourself this question when tough times come and it, it has you doubting if God is there. When that wait seems super long and you're getting anxious and you feel like that that you must have heard God correctly. Now you're doubting everything. Ask yourself this question and use it as that measuring stick of your faith as, and as a way to course correct and ultimately bring you back to him. So that's it for this week's episode. Make sure that you subscribe, leave us a rating, follow me on Instagram at Tatum Tamia. You can follow the podcast page at Blessed and Ball Stuff as well. 
that's it i love you guys i will talk to you next week